Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You know, they, they realized they had not won a division game. And that's a very, very uh, significant tiebreaker. This is Saverin on Steelers. Hello to all in Steeler Nation. and Welcome to the Saverin on Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Stan Saverin. Glad you're tuning in. If you enjoy the content that you're hearing on our podcast, please let your friends, neighbors, the relatives, Notice I said friends and relatives in two different categories. Let them know that we're here. All you have to do is go to Steelers.com. We post twice weekly. So please let them know that uh, we're available to them and to you. And thanks for being here today. The Steelers with a very important game Sunday against Cincinnati coming up. And it's important not necessarily whether they make the playoffs or not, uh, I think that's still a bit of a long shot, although it would be a less of a long shot if they're able to win on Sunday. But I also think that it may show some progress towards becoming a better football team overall. And the question that I want to raise today, are the Steelers getting better? Now, it's not going to be this magical turnaround and all of a sudden it's going to be 2008 all over again. That's unrealistic and it's not going to happen. And there would be some who argue that not making the playoffs and getting as high a draft choice as you can, not just number one, but in rounds two and three and so on, that's that's more important this time than merely struggling to make the playoffs, getting another eh, mid-round or you know late teens draft pick, something like that. And I understand that. Um, I don't expect people in Steeler Nation, those of you listening, to root against your team. I look at it this way. You go to a game, you get set to watch a game, and hoping your team wins. They're your team, after all. And rooting against them would just be counterintuitive. And it's, it's it shouldn't be expected. But if a loss is on the horizon, the better draft pick becomes a consolation. Doesn't make you feel any better about them losing, but it's somewhat of a consolation. So the question becomes, especially coming off a win, are they getting better as a team? A separate issue is Kenny Pickett getting better, and we'll get to that momentarily. Are they getting better as a team, or are we running the risk of being misled by the win over the Saints? Are we being misled or allowing ourselves to be misled because whatever improvements we saw on Sunday, this past Sunday, is that because the Saints are a bad team? Although it could be said the Steelers are on their level, and there were some things working against the Saints You know, some of their best players are out. They were playing on a short week after being physically and 
beaten on the side uh, on the field by the Baltimore Ravens. They had to travel. All those things worked against them. Playing on a Monday the previous week, having to come to Pittsburgh uh, in colder weather, and just having to travel on a bye week. It makes it difficult. It indeed makes it difficult. And are we to look at what the Steelers were able to accomplish and say, well, yes, they look better, but there were reasons for it. So let's keep in the back of our minds the Saints aren't a very good football team. I think that's fair. Although they're probably saying down in New Orleans, you lost to that Steelers team? They're a lousy team, and they might be. But at this point of the season, if we're being realistic, somehow making the playoffs, which would then put them in a position maybe to get blown out again in the first round of a playoff game, eh, I don't know how valuable that is. But let's just look at the Steelers themselves. Are they getting better? There were some things certainly to like. First and foremost, the run game. 217 yards, their most in six seasons. That tells us that the offensive line is continuing to prove, again, slowly, but it was predicted at the beginning of the season that they would be a work in progress, largely because they're basically an all-new offensive line. Yes, Chooks Okorafor was coming back. Yes, Dan Moore Jr. was coming back, and they stayed in their same positions. Kevin Dotson was coming back, although he hadn't played a whole lot because of injuries. And then your center and your right guard, who worked together a lot, were brand new coming in, talking about Mason Cole and James Daniels, respectively. Each good players in their own right, but fitting into the brand new system makes it a different story. They expected slow progress, and that's what they've gotten. And that's been true for a few weeks now. Didn't always result in a victory, but you can see that it's become a work in progress. Let's start with that. Najee Harris looked to be a different version of himself. He was much more assertive when hitting the holes, and there have been some holes throughout the course of the season. But as you know, he has been dancing a little bit, I think a product or a byproduct of his injury, but also a byproduct of what he had been enduring his rookie season last year with the Steelers, and that's an offensive line that is much worse this year than it, or last year, than it is this year. It's definitely been a work in progress with him. And I still think he has flashbacks to last year when because he was met so often in the backfield, almost before he got the handoff from the quarterback, whether it was from under center or in the eye formation, a, a direct snap to the quarterback, or even when he ran a wildcat on occasion. There was such defensive penetration that he had to start dancing. Well, that hasn't been the case this year because the offensive line is improved and is improving that he just reverted to old habits and old experiences and not good experiences, as a matter of fact. Sunday against the Saints, we saw less of that. 
and maybe this is a sign of the offensive line getting better, but also his maturity as a running back. Running back is a very instinctual position. I mean, you have to know the plays and all that, but once you get the ball, it's your instincts, your sight, your vision on what's developing, and maybe we're seeing great improvement in that area. They possess the ball for 39 of 60 minutes, another very good sign, largely because of the running game, but also because they did not turn it over. And that brings us to topic number two, Kenny Pickett. Is Kenny Pickett improving? Now, the numbers were better, mainly because he didn't throw a pick. And he did complete 18 out of 30, a quarterback rating, more suitable than his average, which was down in the low 60s. But is he getting better? Is he running too quickly? Mike Tomlin seemed to think so, saying that oftentimes running too fast or too early, Kenny was limiting his reads, his progressions, and running when there were still pass plays open. But a guy who has the mobility that he has, maybe that's to be expected. In addition to that, I think the Steelers are still calling on him to pass too often. Yes, granted. He only threw the ball 30 times, but he had six other dropbacks, and two were design runs. So all of a sudden, you're up near 40 again, and his average had been 44 dropbacks, if you will. Too many. They got to rely more on the run game. That will make Kenny Pickett a better quarterback. And the third element of the Steelers' victory, the defense was dominant. Now, I know the Steeler brass, Kenny, uh, Mike Tomlin, saying that they expected that their draft, not their draft, but their defense would become dominant. I don't know that they're at that level. It's certainly not without T.J. Watt, without Minka. And let's remember, Watt came back in Sunday but was playing on a pitch count. Miles Jack was held out of the game. I think he's an integral part of that defense. And, of course, Minka wasn't there. Well, T.J. Watt ought to be all the better Sunday against the Bengals. Minka, we're hearing, is likely to play. Remarkably, eight days after an appendectomy. It's amazing to me, but modern science and Minka's kind of a different cat. Now they're going to be able to incorporate DeMonte KZ. He had a pick on Sunday. He was also all over the field. And they're going to be able to use that big nickel package with the three safeties, including Terrell Edmonds, that they'd been working on all training camp until KZ got hurt in the preseason games. I think the defense has a chance to be very good. Maybe not dominant. It's not steel curtain time. But good enough to do not only their job, but also lift up an offense that's going to be challenged. It may be getting better, but they still don't score touchdowns. Their longest TD pass of the year is still eight yards worse in the league. But I think this defense, by helping the offense control the ball 39 minutes and by giving them two turnovers, they can be good enough to do their job and take on the added responsibility 
of propping up this offense. It's a pivotal game. If the Steelers are going to continue playing well, or better, I should say, and keep any hope alive, making the playoffs. Again, I'm not so sure that's a good idea to make the playoffs and then get bounced out in the first round because your draft position is cemented. But if they're going to continue progress, they'll need to win on Sunday. But needing to win even more are the Cincinnati Bengals. It's hard to imagine. If they lose this game Sunday against the Steelers, they will be 0-4 against division foes. That makes it almost impossible for them to win the division. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens are on top of the division now. I think it's become clear they're the best team in the division. But if the Bengals want to go from a team that made the AFC Championship game last year to a team that doesn't make the playoffs, they're going to have to win Sunday against the Steelers. Expect them to be very, very fired up. And how well will they do without Jamar Chase? They'll come in. I don't know about fired up. I think that the Bengals are going to come in. Hey, guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, hey, hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but... All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trepidatious, pardon the big word. I think they're going to be pretty nervous and on edge, which means who scores the first touchdown will be big. Dave Lapham has been a Pro Bowl guard in the NFL. He's been a Pro Bowl-style analyst on the Bengals radio network for even longer than he played. He's still part of the Bengals radio network crew as their analyst. He joins us now on Saverin on Steelers. And Dave, looking at the Bengals, they're 5-4. and four. I mean, they're over 500. But is there disappointment in Cincinnati's organization? Forget about the fan base. Is the Cincinnati organization disappointed to be 5-4 and four at this point of the season? Oh, there's no question. I think the 0-3 division record is their biggest disappointment. You know, at the halfway point of the season, they basically had their bye after nine games in the 17-game season. And, you know, they, they realized they had not won a division game. And that's a very, very uh, significant tiebreaker. It's very, very high in the tiebreaker uh, list if, if you don't win the division outright. So i uh, going to have to start playing better within the division. That should be the first goal of every football team going into the season is to is to win your, your respective division. And I think uh, 0-3 obviously is a, is a major disappointment. There's no question about it. Uh, Dave, you could point, and it's never just one thing. It may not even be three. 
Um, but if you could point to a couple things as to the reasons why um, they're sort of, you know, hanging around 500. Yeah, um, as, as many coaches uh, that I've been involved with and have heard that I uh, talk to teams that I'm not really involved with, uh, you are what your record says you are. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. And the Bengals have played like a basically a 500 football team. They've been wildly inconsistent. You know, it's like North Pole one week, South Pole the next. And the last two games are a great indicator, a great example of it. They go up to uh, Cleveland on a nationally televised game and lay a dinosaur egg, not just an egg. They play the worst game they've played all year, maybe in a couple of years. And Cleveland plays one of their better games, and the Bengals get smoked by 19 points up in Cleveland. The very next week, Carolina comes to town, who've been playing well. They just beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and held them to uh, three points, 21 to three. And, you know, they're playing decently. They lose a heartbreaker to Atlanta. Anybody's football game, they're playing well. And the Bengals smoke them. I mean, 35 nothing at the half. The Bengals have 315 yards offense, and uh, Carolina has 32. They have one first down by penalty. Bengals have 19 first downs. I mean, mm. it was it was something I'd never seen before. They dominated them. So to go from four quarters of football like they played in Cleveland to you know a half of football that they played against Carolina and finished you know finished the game. But I mean that first half was about as good as I've seen. It was it was an amazing display of football in terms of complementary, complete offense played well, defense played well. Um, special teams supported the entire effort. I mean, it was one of those days. So when you can go from a terrible performance like that to a good one, it's an indicator that, you know, you can, you certainly uh, can move on, you know, don't let one bad game turn into two or three. They achieved that. But the fact that you're in that mode where, where the coaches really don't know what to expect, you know, it's, it's up and down and up and down a roller coaster ride. And that's what it's been like a good part of the season. I think, the biggest word to describe the season so far is inconsistency. How much, it sounds like an excuse, but it's not an excuse, it's a reason. Um, when you're talking about a guy who is as explosive and as big a game changer as Jamar Chase is, um, how much at least the inconsistency on offense is attributable uh, to the fact that he's not been available? Yeah, for those for those two games, um, that was a that was a common denominator, you know. But for the other other seven, he was you know he was part of it, and and there was still inconsistencies in the in the performance there. But losing Jamar Chase to your offense is kind of like losing T.J. Watt to your defense. I mean, there's a ripple effect there. Not just that you've got a great player that can make plays, you know, one on he can he can win his battle as such but he dictates that you have to do other things to alleviate his impact. <laughs> you know, you're going to have to put a tight end on TJ Watt with attack. You're going to have to slide the line in his direction. You're going to have to chip of the back. You're going to have to do any and all of it. And as a result, other guys benefit. And Highsmith's a great example of it. Highsmith's got five sacks in the two games that TJ Watt has played, and he's got three and a half in the uh, seven games that he hasn't. So, you know, I, I, I think – there's a ripple effect there. Um, when T.J. Watt's not in the game, Highsmith's going to get more attention. When T.J. Watt's in the game, Highsmith faces different kinds of, of uh, attacks against him. Same thing with Jamar Chase. When you got your guy that takes the top off the defense and is physical and make, can make catches in a crowd and run away from people, I mean, 
now uh, coverage doesn't tilt toward him when he's not there. It's going to tilt elsewhere. And now your number two receiver gets the attention the number one guy was getting and so on and so forth. So I think when you lose people like that, there's a huge trickle-down effect uh, that, that permeates the entire team. I mean, T.J. Watt, when he's on the football field, it's, it's easier for the secondary to cover because the quarterbacks get less time when he's on the field with Highsmith. You know, I mean, and when, when Jamar Chase is on the football field, uh, T. Higgins and, and Tyler Board are going to have an easier time because Jamar Chase is out there. I mean, it's just – it's not just what they do at their individual position. It's how they affect the entire football game. Yeah, the great players, um, you know, lift the other players. Uh, uh, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, to use that cliche. I'm wondering if there's a benefit – Not, I mean, there's no benefit to having Jamar Chase out – but have they leaned more heavily on Joe Mixon um, and the running game in general because they don't have Jamar Chase? Well, yeah, I, th- I think they have. But uh, a good example is the is the first game against Pittsburgh. Uh, Joe ran it over 20 times, but he wasn't efficient running the football. You know, he ran it over 20 times against Carolina, and he was very efficient, averaged seven yards a carry, and ran for 153 yards and four touchdowns in a touchdown receiving. Um, so I, I do think they're at their best, like any offense, when they're balanced. And, you know, the first drive of the game, they go nine plays, 90 yards, five passes, four runs. Their first 22 uh, first downs, 11 were by pass, 11 were by run. So, you know, you can't be more balanced than that. And I think that's, that's, the, uh, that's the elixir is, you know, get that running game going. And then all of a sudden, the pass rush slows down. They have to respect that run and not just pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. Linebackers and safeties have to at least think about taking a step toward the line of scrimmage before, you know, dropping back into coverage. And you, you, get, you get more space. You get more holes to operate with. And so there's a, there's a big impact there. You know, when you run the football effectively, it makes life a lot easier for everybody. Uh, the offensive line can pass protect the quarterback and, uh, have time and, and vision to throw the space to throw the football, and receivers have more real estate to operate with down the football field. Dave Lapham is our guest from the Bengals Radio Network and longtime Cincinnati Bengal player. Dave, I distinctly remember us having this uh, element of the conversation when you were on the week before the opener uh, in Cincinnati, um, and that was the new uh, newfound offensive line. Bengals being people in from the draft and also through free agency, and we talked about the cohesive nature of that. Actually, we're beginning to see a bit of that in Pittsburgh. They seem to be getting incrementally better uh, each week. Not great, but they're getting better. Um, Has that been the case as the Bengals pretty much faced the same thing and they didn't play together in the preseason? Absolutely, Stan. There's no no two ways about it. I mean, time on task, you know, repetition breeds comfort level. And, you know, you can can talk about it and you can – sit in a classroom and look at tape and, you know, draw it up on a board and do all those things until you get out into the field and actually physically go through it and make sure that you're on the, the, uh, the same plane in terms of picking up a stunt. You can, one can't be close to the line of scrimmage and another and form a natural crease for a defensive lineman to take advantage of in a stunt. Get the kind of feel for the guy next to you and have the unspoken, you know, communication, just the nod, the wink of the eye, kind of thing is uh, all you need sometimes when you play next to each other for a long period of time. And that does take time. So I, I felt like they were going to be better at the end of September than they were in the beginning. 
they're going to be better, you know, in the middle of the season than they were in the beginning, and, and they are. They have been. They are getting better. Uh, it's a there's the center Karras has has been part of two Super Bowl champions. Cap of the right guard has been a Super Bowl champion with Tampa Bay. Karras uh, with uh, with New England Patriots uh, a couple of times. So I mean they they know what it takes. Uh, Collins is is getting help more and more healthy. When he played against T.J. Watt in that opener, he couldn't even stand up. I mean, he was falling all over the field. He couldn't stand his feet. Had, had back problems. Uh, those have been alleviated. He's playing a lot better. So they are. They're, they're playing better. There's no question about it. And I thought they had their best game against the Carolina Panthers. The running game was unbelievable. I mean, they, they were fitting into blocks and finishing blocks, and therefore pass protection came, became a much easier dynamic for sure. They rushed it you know, for 241 yards. But I think that's the big key, Stan. Both teams rushed it in their last game for over 200 yards. Mm-hmm. You know, who's, who's going to be able to sustain that? You know, that makes life easier for, you know, veteran quarterback, rookie quarterback, whatever the case may be. Our many thanks to Dave Lapham. He's always a willing guest. Nice to have him on who analyzed the game. Um, again, as I mentioned before, we put Dave on the air. Is this a pivotal game for both these teams? I believe it is. For the Steelers to continue getting better, and very much the Bengals, their playoff lives just might be at stake. We thank you today for joining us on the Saverin on Steelers podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Let everyone know that it's available. I'm also available on a weekly basis, a daily basis, on ESPN Radio in Pittsburgh. That's 970 a.m. You can get it over the air, or you can just download the High Art Media app. Very easy to do. It's free. It's free. If it's me, if it's free, it's me. All that stuff. Just go to iHeartMedia.com and download it, and you can listen to my show every day from noon until 2 Eastern. Be back with more Saverin on Steelers podcast. Thanks for joining me today. I'm Stan Saverin. Thanks for listening. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.